but it is a gift to be able to gather. And so, so we're grateful for this day, and I'm grateful to, to be here. And as has already been said, um, it, it is uh, super, super sweet. Um, it, it is weird. It feels a little more subdued than it should because we're all having to, like, stay kind of constrained and, and, and kind of away. But again, uh, much to be grateful for. And I, I, as I was singing, I was trying to let it out because they were leading us to, like, this amazing proclamation. And as I would go to take a deep breath in for the next big let it out. I was like choking on my mask. And so it's a good day. So hopefully we can avoid that while I'm teaching. Today is one of our vision Sundays. We do these twice a year. We do them in September. We do them in January. And it's just a chance for us to be one, just reminded of, of who we are, of what God has kind of shaped us to be, and also just to kind of kind of reconnect with or, or kind of orient with what God is doing today and what he is leading to. So when you think about Vision Sunday, if you hear that phrase, you probably think about the future, and it certainly is about what we are called to be and what we are pursuing to um, embody as we follow Jesus. Um, But it is not just about where we are going. This day is also about remembering who we are, Um, and and that's really important. And, you know, and, and our prayer is that we are a people pursuing Jesus together, and that's from the most unoriented person that has never heard the name of Jesus, that is maybe for the first time entering in today to the person who surrendered, their, who surrendered their life years ago, has been pursuing him for a long time. That's our prayer for all of us. That's our opportunity. Um, and our prayer is that for, for those who are in Christ, that, that we would be just simply seeking to know God and making him known, just in a response to the greatest commandments God given us of the way to live. And what we know is that to know God is to love God. Because if you encounter the living God, who is indeed as good as he says he is, you cannot help but to love him. To, to experience the, the self-giving, sacrificial, loving, pursuing, restoring, loving, holy, wonderful, glorious, amazing God. How can we not love him? And to love God is to revel in any opportunity to exalt his name, to exalt his love, to exalt his ways. And so although this time of teaching today is going to unpack who God has shaped and called us to be, for this to be healthy, for this to be right, for this to result in anything worthwhile, anything that glorifies God, it must start with high praise of Him. It must lead us to that. And that's why we started with with what we have. It's not just that we have a service and we've got to fill it up. This is the heart of what we are pursuing. This is the heart of who we are. This is the heart of what we are doing. And so we started with songs and stories and prayers that lift up God's goodness. And that's, again, our opportunity and all that we are doing. And so it's no coincidence. That's part of Vision Sunday. It's part of us having a right understanding of who we are today and where we are going. So thinking of today, here's what we hope to accomplish today. One, and this is for every time we gather, whether it's in some set organized time or just when any two believers come together, two brothers and sisters in Christ come together is to deepen our affection for God and to deepen our affection for one another. We also want to be reminded of what God created the church to be, not just the bridge, but the church. 
And then we want to gain, personally us, we want to gain more clarity of heart and of mind of what we are pursuing as those that make up the bridge as we live a way of life that is a Christ follower for each of us and is the church for all of us. And so, so as just thinking about that, as we, we also want to see how us pursuing existing as a network of house churches is not something brand new, but, but something that is timeless in respect to Christianity in all of time, as well as natural, it's a natural outcome as we continue to follow Jesus. That's what we hope to see today. And in that, we want to show that we are building on foundations that God has given us since the very beginning of the bridge coming into be what we are. And, and in that, how um, we are pursuing, what we are pursuing only deepens and strengthens our experiencing of the convictions and values that make up our foundations. Okay, so with all that being said, let me pray. Um, God, I, uh, I thank you for this time. Lord, as it's already been said, Lord, what a gift to be able to come together and to gather just as we are, Lord, whether cynic, seeker, sojourner, um, child of, of you, follower of Christ, Lord, that you, you give us this opportunity, you meet us where we are. God, I pray that in this time, Lord, that hearts and minds and lives would be captivated, God. I pray that unity would be, uh, would, would be just grown in the church, God. Lord, that you would um, lead us in the way that is good. Lord, let us come in with pliable hearts, expectant uh, hearts and minds, knowing that you have intention of why you have called us together. You have intention even backing up of why you, why you sought us out through Jesus and reconciled us and restored us to salvation in relationship with you. So, Lord, we just give you this time. Lord, speak through me and in spite of me. Lord, just be glorified. Let, the, let your truth and your word penetrate hearts, transform lives. And Lord, make us uh, understand your love and make us more like Jesus. So we surrender this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew 28. Uh, we're going to start there just in verses 18 through 20. Um, it will, if you're in the room, it'll be on this screen. And you guys have my, uh, on Zoom, uh, they might be able to see it as well. Um, that's great. Um, so we want to start, as we get into this, we said we want to talk about how we are building on foundations that have already been. So to do that, we're going to start by reviewing our mission statement and core values and how we've understood them up to this point. Um, and, and to do that, we want to start with the command that sets our direction and hymns in our vision that protects us from going off the rails. And this comes from Jesus' last words that we're going to look at here in Matthew 28. We've covered this quite a few times. We're going to cover it a lot more times in the future. But these are Jesus' last words. This is after he died on the cross, after he conquered death and rose again. He walked on the earth for a while, and now he's about to ascend into heaven. And these are his last words to his family, his disciples, his followers. So they're important words. So this is where we come to, some would know it as the Great Commission. It says this, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. So just real quickly, what Jesus is saying here is like, Hey, I'm leaving. 
I came to accomplish a work. It has begun. I'm leaving to you what is left. And he says, so, hey, go. Continue what I came for. Go to bring the, the reality of my restoring and redeeming and reconciling work to the world that needs to know me. He said, you, and you have power. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the word and bring them. And, and as you introduce them to Jesus, and as they become saved, walk alongside them and teach them everything I've commanded you. And guess what? You're not alone. I'll be with you to the ends of the age. And so we've worked to articulate that in our own words. We, our mission statement would be, we commit to a journey of transformation together toward Jesus for the glory of God. We commit to a journey of transformation together toward Jesus for the glory of God. <clears throat> so just like this, we have a commitment. We've accepted the charge and the call on our lives, and we see that it's a lifelong journey. It's a process. And just as we are being transformed in Jesus, the world needs to experience that transforming love and truth. And so we want to, as we follow Jesus, come alongside people and invite them into life, and not us change them, but as they encounter Jesus, let him do the work that only he can do. And we do it in his name and for the glory of God. So then we come to our core values. It's not just what we're pursuing, but it's also how we do it. And so these core values will be how we do it. So we had five of them from the beginning. We still have them. We didn't write these explanations this week. This is what we've had for a long time. So again, the foundations of who we are, of who God shaped us to be. So we start with, it says, living in biblical community. That's our first commitment, to live in biblical community. And we would say that is defined as living as a family, gathered around our faith in Jesus Christ with the postures of sharing life, sharing worship, and sharing service. So that's what it is to live in biblical community. Then we would say, we, were, we also commit to, living, to live missionally to the community. So we want to live in biblical community and live missionally to the community. And to be missional is to take on the purpose of Christ wherever you are. So we would say that is living as a family and living deployed to gospel mission, understanding that every Christian is a disciple maker and every disciple maker is a missionary with a mission field to claim, right? And so again, these are the things that we have been putting in front of us, that God put in front of us to take to heart and shape who we are. And that leads to living under biblical authority. And this is the idea that acknowledging that the word of God, the scriptures given to us in the Bible are for, are for revealing the will of God and that it expresses his character, that it helps us to know him and understand who we are. And because of this, it's our joy to submit our entire lives to his leading through his commands and teachings in scripture. And when we do that, guess what? We find ourselves living in biblical freedom. And we would say this, we are, we are free in Christ. So we live as those who are free both in our understanding of who we are as people liberated from sin and death, as well as where we are free to go and who we are free to love, just as Christ showed us. So we are free spiritually as we are redeemed and made victorious over our sin and death because Jesus took those and gave us his innocence and life. And then we're also free socially to go just as Jesus did to those who the religious elite have often said, stay away from, they'll taint you. He said, no, I'm the one who makes you holy. So anyway, so we see that. And then lastly, to multiply disciples of Jesus and churches. And this is more of an output. Is as we live out these values, we will see the exponential work of people saved and following Jesus. Doing that will create need for and raise up new leaders for new gospel communities or churches.
So that's what we've been pursuing all along. That's our foundations. This is not new. If you're a covenant partner with the bridge, this is part of what you covenanted to, to being a part of building and pursuing this. If you're considering it, this is what you would be throwing your lot in. This is our heart. This is our opportunity. So now we want to see how us stepping into existing as a network of house churches only strengthens and deepens our experiencing and expressing these convictions and values. And as I sit here, I kind of, I, I have a tension of like, man, this sounds like an informational meeting. It sounds like a, you know, a, 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 an orientation to a new job. And I have this tension because I don't want to strangle the life out of, out of, out of what this is and the, and the joy of what this is. And again, like, don't forget how we got to this moment. It is through this, this posture of life response and, and, and worship and, and experiencing God and abiding in him and leading and following. And so again, like, don't lose the grip of what matters most, what our foundation is and what the heart of this is uh, as we kind of unpack just a kind of a picture of a way of life. So what I want to do is walk back through these real quick. I'm, 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 I'm going a little slower than I intended, but real quick to see how these foundational convictions and values actually um, have a, a deeper opportunity as we pursue what we're pursuing. So before I go any further, uh, back at the beginning of the summer, we did a series called What is the Church? If you've missed any of that, it's a four-week series. If you missed any of it, go back and please catch up. Um, because, one, this is, I'm trying to, I'm shooting for 20 minutes. I'm going to fail miserably. I've, I've, my my, my over-under is, I'm going to end at 30, just so we know. But I, even with that, like, there's just no possible way to kind of cover it all. So that gives a lot more context, a lot more uh, detail and understanding and kind of apolo you know, biblical apologetic. So if you missed any of that, uh, please go back and listen to it. If you did hear it, call on those foundations as we work through this big picture, okay? And so, so coming into living in biblical community, when we look at the New Testament, the most common metaphor used to describe or give a picture of what the people of God, the church, are meant to be is family. It's family. When we, spiritually speaking, what we know is that what God designed and gave the church to be is one that would live as a multi-generational family where there is commitment to and responsibility for one another. Right? And so you look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which, which encapsulates the teaching of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. We have over 50 unique one another statements. When I say one another statements, it's these statements that, that are meant to instruct and give a picture of the way of life of a, of a shared mutual re responsibility and respect and submission to each other. It is this one anotherness that there is this belonging, there is a communal identity. So there's over 50 unique. It doesn't mean there's only 50 statements. They're actually repeated over 300 times. And that's because it's important. This is Jesus' teaching. And so it matters that we have an understanding that there is a one anotherness. There is a family identity to the church. This speaks of deep, deep love. And there's a couple of passages from Jesus that give us an idea, an insight into the depth of this love. And, and maybe you've heard them before. It's okay if you haven't. John 13, 34 and 35 and John 17, 20 through 21. The first says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And then John 17, 20 through 21, 
this is Jesus' kind of closing prayer for his, his disciples before he goes to the cross. Part of it says, I do not ask for these only, meaning those in the room with him, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Guess what? If you believe in Jesus, that's you today and those that will come after through your life. He says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I just want to make sure we don't miss the, the amazing reality of what God has given us to be. Because we have experienced his love. He says, as I have loved you, Jesus says, you are also to love one another. So because we have experienced his love, been changed by his love, been implanted by his love, in Romans it says, and God poured the assurance of his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we, we know and we have experienced this love. We are able and capable and charged to love one another in this way. And he says, when you do that, guess what? The world will know you're my disciples. It will get the world's attention and give it reason to believe that we belong to Jesus. And then he speaks of unity, that they may all be one. And don't miss this. He says, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So he's speaking of the oneness, the unity of the Trinity. The Trinity, like that blows your mind. The thing that none of us can grasp anyway, the kind of love, that this others-focused love that God exists with in himself, he has given us to love each other that way. And the way in which we live and pursue with that kind of loving unity is the one that will cause the world to believe that Jesus is indeed the sent Son of God, sent to redeem the world. That's a supernatural love. And so we cannot miss this. It starts with an encounter with Jesus. This is a love born of God. And I want to invite everyone hearing this to not skip past that to enjoy the goodness of a, of a physical community. Because it will, it will fall way short. So start with considering a loving God who moved heaven and earth in spite of our sin and rebellion to, to encounter and reconcile us. It starts there. But yet God's realities work out in our human physical realities. And this kind of deep supernatural love can only be grown and experienced through time and proximity. That's family love. Through shared adventure and adversity. Right? That's... That's what this kind of love will be born out of as we gather together expressing what God has done in us and share this and pursue one another. That's the opportunity. It's hard. It takes time. But that's, that's the promise. And so gathering in these smaller, more defined communities is a much more fertile soil to develop this kind of church edifying, which, mean the, which means it being built up into what it's meant to be and God-glorifying love. So that's why. That's that deeper expression and opportunity. And then living missionally to the community. There's, there's, the key here is missionally to. There is a direction to Jesus' command. There's a direction in the Great Commission, go into the world. We are to live missionally to the community. Again, the word missional is to express the purpose, heart, way of Jesus. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, with every breath, with every talent, with every skill, with every effort. And it's natural. It's like breathing as we abide. Again, it takes time, but that's our opportunity. So we are to be missionally to the community. And here's the, and just the reality here. The, the modern church has made the mistake of doing this over and over again, and I've been a part of it. The church has often asked the world to be the ones who go to. 
The church has asked the world to be the missionaries by saying, come to us if you have need. Come to us if you're curious. We put together amazing programs and services that are wonderful, but it still takes them coming to us quite often. And, and what we are, God is our missionary God. The very heart of God is one that is sent, that goes. The, the world, what the world is desperately in need of, in, in, uh, what the world that is so desperately in need of encountering the love and truth of God in grace-filled environments, what they need is not more larger churches, but an infestation of smaller gospel communities, smaller churches that go where they are. Again, our missionary God, he, he went to a hostile place to reach a people that rejected him in order to redeem, restore, reconcile them to him. We are all of humanity is created in his image and for his purpose. And in Christ, we are restored to that purpose. We are the missionaries who are meant to go. It doesn't make sense for us to make the world be the missionaries to us. Living and ministering as house churches makes our going to a multitude of communities much more natural and accessible. It's the, it's the posture of Jesus' reality himself. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus ascended, the church is meant to live as the revealing reality of the very life of Jesus, the incarnated reality, the incarnational life of Jesus. And so as we go into communities where the need is, where people are, we get to show them Jesus and God is glorified. And then we have living under biblical freedom is our next value. We have a couple of passages, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is the word that has been given to us. It was fulfilled in Jesus. And because of what it is, it is our joy to come under God's instruction through his word. In it, we know him. In it, we know ourselves. In, it, uh, in, in that, we also know how we are to live, which is the life that exists in freedom and peace. We cannot think that we would know freedom, peace, joy, purpose, world impact without the word yes god works through his holy spirit but his holy spirit works in concert with his word and we need it we need him however this is not an individual pursuit i pray that each one of us revels in the reality that god wants to know you personally i love i love a question that cammy and will ask a lot when they when they are having conversations with people that don't know jesus they said they something to the effect of have you considered that there is a god that you can know he is knowable, and he's done that through Jesus. And I pray that every one of us revels in the reality that we can know God, that we have relationship with him, and that it matters, and that we, that we are overwhelmed often, and that we, that we seek out to sit in the presence of our holy God, and that that matters, that we, that we pursue the abiding life, that we don't miss that. But also, it is not just an individual pursuit. Again, the very heart of God is an others-focused love. So whatever God shows you is not just for you, it certainly is, but not just. 
What he works in you is meant to be a part of how he uses you to build up the church and to reach the world for Christ. We have to see that. So as we continue, as you know, we've talked about as we're pursuing existing as house churches, one of the things this allows us in these environments is to be less passive and more participatory. But it's not just that we kind of dole out roles and responsibilities. It is that we actually see the way that God works in concert through his word and the Holy Spirit and a life transformed by Jesus through each of us. Because guess what? If you've encountered Jesus, you are equipped to be a part of his transforming of the world around you. You are equipped. Don't sell yourself short. Don't sell short what God has done in you through Jesus. From the day you surrender your life and you die to sin through Jesus and you are raised to life, a new life in him, you are equipped. You have a testimony of Jesus to share. You have the Holy Spirit and you have access to his, to his revealed testament, the word. And so that's an amazing equation, right? Jesus plus Holy Spirit plus word equals you have the opportunity and need to bring what God works in you to your community. And so we want to, one, invite and, and lovingly challenge each other into pursuing Jesus daily. It doesn't make sense for us not to. It's an invitation, again, don't put on the robe of legalism. Don't put on the robe of earning God's love. Don't put on the robe of being, being good enough. Jesus did all that for us. Put on the banner of relationship. Put on the banner of identity, of what he has done in you. In 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Paul describes our opportunity. He says, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. And so we are moving toward our gathered times being shaped by a family-led worship and not just that one person plans out a liturgy and, and then we kind of participate in it. There'll be some aspects of that, and there's wonderful, there's wonderful opportunity in being organized, but we want to step into and consider what it would be like if each one of us are pursuing and experiencing Jesus daily, being changed by him, being moved by him, being, being strengthened by him, and we get to bring that to one another. And as we come together in these times of gathered worship, guess what? A great, I mean, like, could you imagine where our teaching is not just some person sitting up here and talking to you, but that it's, it's this holy discourse where God does something in you and you get to come. And even if it's just in the form of a testimony, that's a word of truth. Or if it's a word of instruction God gives you, or maybe God moves you to just uh, blows your mind and how good and how big he is. And you are moved to worship throughout the week. Consider what it would be like to come into that holy space with that family and say, I want to invite you into a reality of God I experienced this week and inviting them to worship with you. Whether it's just, again, testimony or maybe a psalm that came to mind or a song that you've heard. Or maybe it's that he broke your heart over a need in this world and you were, you, were, you were compelled to pray. And you come in and you invite your community that is in this with you because they're family to say, man, my heart is burdened. Will you pray with me for this? Or maybe God calls you to repentance because he revealed a blind spot or an area of rebellion in your life that you have not given to him or that you've reclaimed. And you experience the reality that says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And I'll tell you this, if we want to be a people that are marked by God's grace and goodness and that we can point, that we have stories to tell of his transforming work in and around us, we have to be a repenting people. And that's, that, can be, that is certainly done in your closet, but it's also done together. And so imagine what it would be like if God invites you into that place and you have the same opportunity to show that kindness, to say, hey, God did, the, did this in me. I don't know if this is for any of you, but I want to invite you to consider it as well.
And man, imagine a time of, of holy and humble repentance together. Now, I know for some of you that just may sound insane. It may sound crazy. It sounds really intimidating. I get it. I get it. And all I want to do is, and, and guess what? We're going to pace ourselves. We're going to be growing through this together. But this is what God has given us. This is the opportunity. And so just don't, again, hear the heart of this. Hear the invitation this is not to perform. It's not to show how smart you are or how much Jesus is doing in your life. It is to share what he is to share the realities of who he is. Because in that testimony, people will be pointed to him. And so we want to invite and challenge others to what God is doing in each of us. So we're, next Sunday, we're going to kick off Mark. I want to invite everyone this week just to read through Mark at least one time all the way through. Your house church leaders will be reaching out to you about this. But read through Mark at least one time. It's 16 chapters. Um, you, so it's pretty, it's pretty easy. If you were to read it in one sitting, it'd be about an hour and a half. But read through Mark like a narrative, not a deep dive, not, not deep exegesis or anything. Just read it like a story because it is. It's the story of Jesus. Read it with people that, are, that were people. Sit in different seats. Identify with the characters. Identify with the themes. Try to, try to imagine the cultural realities. And then next week in our house churches, we'll come together and really kind of try to uh, talk about how we are going to pursue this kind of way of family worship. Okay, and I want to move to these uh, other ones real quick. Li that leads to us living in biblical freedom. Um, and with that, part of all this, being patient, giving grace to yourself and one another, lean in and hang on because it's going to be a ride and it's going to be wonderful. Um, but this is part of where we get to experience biblical freedom. And we live, you know, thinking, again, spiritually, it starts with Jesus. There is no freedom without him. And then socially, we live in a time of great division. I mean, the, the political reality is just divisive, toxic, and confusing. The, the racial and, and, you know, just the, the, the pain that is there and, and just seems like it just keeps the, the need that is being needed to be confronted keeps hitting the wall. And it seems like people are digging their hills in more and more. The, the religious realities of our day are way more confusing. There's so much division. And so when we think about we as the church, we must be freed up from the cultural constraints that demand inequality and division and take on the culture of the cross that is humble, bold, selfless, and renewing. That's our opportunity in Christ, and that's, that is proactive. It is running into the need. And the house churches will be more suited and equipped to understand and love the people around them in their communities. Because you see... Compassion, if we hope to see any kind of movement or transformation in these areas of need, they are going to come through, again, a conviction and an experience of truth, but a compelling of love. When you look at what moved Jesus, it was compassion that moved him to action over and over again. And so we as a people, you know, yes, we have an, an indisputable truth that, that, that guards our lives, but we are compelled by the same thing that compelled Jesus, and that's love, and that's compassion. Compassion is birthed out of knowing. Our compassion will move us to be agents of justice, mercy, and truth to those in our communities. So again, our house churches are positioned well for that. 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Galatians 5.1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And then 1 Peter 2.16 says this, Live as a people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. 
That's, that's our opportunity. I was having a conversation with, with someone who was having a hard time kind of acknowledging that Black Lives Matter. They were saying all lives matter. And, we, and this is a common conversation. And, and I just said, you know, when was the last time you had a, a conversation with an African-American or a person of color? When was the last time you asked them what's their reality, what's their experience? And, um, and they were grateful for that question. And it was fruitful. And, and they went and stepped into that. But that's, that's this opportunity. We will know our neighbors because we're living amongst them and we are, we are gathering in their midst. And so, again, if we want to see us being freed up to, uh, and, and again, it's all starting to connect, right? It, it, this is necessary. Let me keep moving. I'm sorry. Multiplying disciples of Jesus and churches. Living as house churches creates more room for the body of Christ to be involved in making disciples. It's not just up to a professional few, but it makes more room for all of us to use that gifting that God has given us to participate, to, to speak in, to share. There's less competition of time as well, just practically speaking, for how you participate in making disciples for the things of the bridge that we would do versus the things that you would do in your personal life. That's something we always ran into. Instead of you supporting the ministry of the bridge, the leadership of the bridge exists to support the ministry of you and every house church. That's what we want to see as we are stepping into this. So you can have churches. This has been said a lot of times. I don't know if it's been said here. But you can have churches, organizations, things that have a name, without making disciples of Jesus. But if we make disciples of Jesus, we will see God-glorifying, gospel-driven churches emerge. That's our heart. That's our desire. Again, that last one's an output. It's a byproduct. So a few closing thoughts. Again, I know this is so high level, it, it, but it, so let's just let this be a continuing pursuit and conversation because we are on a journey of transformation together toward Jesus for the glory of God. Let's enjoy what he's given us together and lean into each other, lean into the word, let God lead us and shape us. Um, you, you've heard it said a lot, if you've been around us for a while, that the church is not a building or an organization, it is a people. We will experience the riches of what God has shown us to the extent we each invite the other into this and steward each other into deep, holy intimacy with God. So look at the people around you. Ask God to birth compassion and a benevolent care for them, for their souls, for their livelihood, for their, for, for their health in every way. This is so far beyond us. It's intimidating. It's unfamiliar. We need the intervening work of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to invite all of us to pray faithfully and fervently and let, uh, even as we come to a moment here in a moment where we're going to observe communion, even to let that propel us into the very heart of God in this way of life as we think of what he provided for us in Christ and what he's given us to be. So I'm going to pray, and then Travis will lead us through a communion on the, on the Zoom. So Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for your, your love. I thank you that you are with us in our midst. I thank you that you work um, faithfully and, and, and um, unendingly, God. Lord, I just want to surrender all to you. Lord, be glorified in us. Let the name of Jesus, Lord, um, just fill our conversations. Lord, I pray that as we gather, that we would see a community growing and strengthening in what it is to live as the church. So, Lord, we love you. We surrender all. In Jesus' name, amen.